0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of Undying Light. I am your host Alex, and we are still plowing our way through the Eschatology series. And um, today we're going to look at verses 15 through 28. Uh, we're going to try and work through these 13 verses and see where we end up. Um, today's uh, section is on the abomination of desolation and so we're going to look at a few study notes and uh, and kind of read through the text as we usually do and we're going to kind of talk about it and hopefully provide some clarity to uh, a lot of misunderstanding of this text. Um, So that is the agenda for the show. Um, Before we get to the meat, I am... I want to spend a few minutes just to kind of highlight a couple aspects that I've been talking on some prior shows. First of all, um, as I record this, today is the 20th of uh, January. I was going to say February for a minute, but no, we're still in January. Uh, Today is day one of the Joe Biden presidency here in the United States. And he's already signing executive orders like there's no limit. (laughs) So a lot of people I've seen on social media in these last few days, um, last couple of weeks, are extremely frightened and extremely worried. And it's disheartening. It's challenging because as Christians, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we handle this? And. You know, I'm just a small fish in this big pond of podcasts. You know, I get a couple hundred listens per episode. Um, you know, some of them may get up to three or four hundred listens, but I'm really just a I'm a small fish. You know, I don't make the charts. I don't I don't have the support like some of these new podcasts that are dropped out of you know out of nowhere and they're you know crashing the charts. I don't have a framework to where I can. You know, have a popular voice. And to me, that's fine. I don't care. And, but to my loyal listeners, I love you guys and I can't thank you enough because you've kept this show going and you guys are the reason I continue to produce content. But as I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, and I feel like it's becoming much more crucial today to talk about it, I want to spend a few minutes early in the show and I want to kind of talk about, um, what is happening and the Christian response to it. And what I mean by what is happening is I see a lot of pages racing to one extreme or the other. And, you know, on our Patreon group on Sunday evening, we did a hour and a half discussion on eschatology. And in that discussion, we talked a lot about the fears, the anxiety that comes with the you know potential changing of the presidency and now obviously it is um, the uncertainty of what the future could bring and government mandates new laws fears of you know our rights being taken away and all that sort and so we, we we walked through that and that's just, I feel, one of the perks for being a Patreon of this ministry is you get to get involved in that kind of content with me. And have, we had a Zoom meeting. We were, you know, all chatting for, you know, a good hour and a half. And uh, we walked through the four different views in depth. And we talked through how a lot of them are, you know, can be interpreted. Uh, we did... You don't have uh, episodes earlier in the series on those four major views, so you can go back and listen to those more in depth. But this was something very personal to these individuals, and I felt like it was a good conversation because it started to drill down into just the everyday Christian's perspective and understanding, because this is not easy topics when we talk about eschatology. When we dig into this stuff, this this is tough to chew on. You know this is really, really hard content to take because as we're going to look at some text today, there is a lot of uh, misinterpretation that can be had from it. But as I've seen in these last few days, I I have seen these extremes on social media, and they are the pendulum is swinging rapidly. And on one end, we are having these people that are literally putting in their stories to go into bookstores and go into. Um, thrift stores, whatever it is, use cash and buy a surplus of Bibles. Doesn't they don't care the translation? They just buy as many Bibles as you can and then hide them. And I, you know, and, and the reason they're saying that is because the Biden, you know, uh, uh, administration is going to come for your Bibles. They're going to come for your books, and if you're caught, it's going to be like you know communist russia and they're going to put you in prison and 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 or kill you that's the fear and you know i remember under the obama administration there was people's heightened fears that freedom of speech would be stripped away and christians would be uh, the next targeted after the conservative movement and we would be locked in jail and so to prevent that we would have to go and live in caves or in the forest and you know, we'd have to get off the grid if you would. That was a big fear for a lot of people. And it kind of seems to float a lot around the dispensational category. Like they take things in the Bible literally, and that's what we're going to uh, engage in today's topic is this literal interpretation of this text, that how it's uh, can cause some, some, some major headaches for people. Um case in point we had I had a, uh I heard a story from a family member um they had a customer come into their store and they you know, he was wearing a like World War II gas mask and this gentleman was fearful saying that uh starting Thursday which would be tomorrow um you know the first full day of the Biden Harris administration he's going to just start sending planes over conservative states and gassing them killing everybody that's this guy's fear And that's the type of stuff that's being pushed on social media is, is the extreme of this pendulum. And it's frustrating because we have lost sight in Christ. We have lost sight in our trust for Christ and, and what he's going to do. And instead we come forward with this, you know, out of control fear of what, what, may or may not happen and chances are none of this stuff is going to happen extreme chances of not you know of that not happening the worst thing that i can see coming out of the you know the biden administration is churches getting shut down and especially in blue states you'll see the big pressure coming towards conservatives and religious groups in red states maybe not so much But I do fear because they use COVID as a as as their as their foundation that they have lawful means to control what the populace does. That's my fear. Um, I don't foresee it being locked in concentration camps or anything like that. At the very worst, we lose our voice on social media as we get kicked off. And uh, plenty of pages have announced there you know we've got a backup page you've got this we've got that we're over here we're doing these things you know great fine good you know and I said it in my live a couple weeks ago if I got kicked off I wouldn't care they give me more time to read books now I enjoy doing these podcasts and I love the fact that I still have a good solid um, and growing listenership I love the fact that people continue to subscribe to the show and people continue to enjoy this content content that I produce. And as long as I have the ability, I will continue to do so. But the, the thing that is frustrating to me in all of this is the, is like I said, the swinging of the pendulum to the far extreme that we all have to fear of what's coming. And we have lost sight of Christ. We, we don't trust that Christ is still in control. The thing is, is Christians in other countries would beg to be in our shoes with the amount of freedom that we have, with the ability to do the things that we can do. And then we gripe when something that's, you know, not even worthy of our lives gets taken away, for instance, social media, because on social media, what are you doing? You're speaking into an empty box. Yeah, you've got a following, but... Most of those people are probably Christians. And that's good that you're sharing and producing content. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win souls by being on social media. You have to go out into the world. You have to preach the word, share the gospel. It has to be verbally spoken and verbally heard. And Christians in other countries would kill for the, for the, the voice that we have here in the United States. And, and I said it a number of weeks ago um, after the election, the Saturday after the election in November, I did a live, and I said, I don't think that this administration that's coming in is because we voted wrong, because conservatives failed, we weren't loud enough, we, we are being punished by God. Because we have neglected to preach his word worthy of what it's to be preached by. We have neglected his word. We have squandered. We have destroyed, tarnished, shredded, manipulated God's word. We've allowed false teachers to run rampant across every platform. Churches, social media, the news their own shows, the radio station, everywhere. We have allowed false teachers, false prophets to run unchecked. And I I feel that this is God's punishment to this nation. When God wants to punish a nation, he puts in wicked rulers. So you you can be upset with me all you want. I don't care. I mean, I'd hope that most of you listening probably agree with me. But at the end of the day, we can't just sit here and and be fearful of tomorrow because you're not going to live your life today. If you're so scared of the uncertainty, then go out and do something about it. Move to a different state. Leave your current job. You know, left one extreme and went to the other. You know, I don't think Iowa is the most conservative state out there. You're probably looking at Texas or Florida maybe, but, you know, I could not stomach living in a liberal state. And regardless of whatever your politics are, you know, this has absolutely nothing to do whether you support Biden or support Trump or you support conservative views or liberal views. At the end of the day, this comes down to the fact of who do you serve? Do you serve Christ or do you serve the world? And if you don't serve Christ and you're fearful of the world, then that's you know you're you're going to continuously live in fear of the world, but if you serve Christ and you live and you're and you're fearful of the world then that that's a bigger issue because see you have to and I know it's easier said than done, right you have to surrender that fear you have to cast it aside and and look to what Christ can give to you as peace and comfort and you know I, I put up a few posts over the last couple of weeks around just finding that rest in Christ and not allowing you know the winds out of DC to affect us, not allowing the winds out of you know the world's news and the world's leaders to affect us. because the world is going to continue acting in the manner that the world acts. and that is a sinful nature. We as Christians are set aside from that, though. We are to be obedient. Onto our government, we are to live a life that is obedient unto Christ, and through that we, you know, are just pilgrims passing through this world, sharing the gospel as we go. And so, my advice to those who are swinging this pendulum from one end to the other is: we need to find that middle ground, and find some peace and solace, and live out each day to the fullest. Share the gospel, live for Christ, and continue to grind out our life. And as I mentioned, you know, we had that video on Sunday evening for the Patreons and, you know, I find it to be comforting for them because I can, we can get on and have a group conversation. It's not just a teaching session by me, but it's a time that they can come on and share their thoughts, their concerns, their answers, and we can talk as a group and, you know, we can learn from each other. And it's a wonderful community that we have under the undying light ministries and you know, I would love nothing more if you would be prayerfully considering to join this ministry and come alongside us, you know, financially and help this ministry going forward, because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know if this show is going to continue on for 20 more years. As long as I have the ability to produce content, it will. But you know, if, if, this administration goes to the farthest extremes and shuts down all of these voices, then we may lose that, but I will continue producing content until that day. So enough rambling and ranting, my thoughts and everything, like I said, focus on what's important and that is Christ and his ministry. And that is Christ and the gospel. And as we continue to always do that here at Undying Light, we are going to continue to look at Scripture today, and we are going to continue walking through the Olivet Discourse. Uh, this would be technically part three, if you would. Um, we started way back a couple of weeks ago with the beginning of chapter 24. We spent a night looking at the first couple of verses, um, and then we took a break and came back next the next week, which was last week. And went verses 9 through uh, 14, and now tonight we're going to try and get this whole section. Um, but as time allows, we'll see where we end up. This kind of has a few different breaks in here, but we will see where we go. So the abomination of desolation starting in the 15th verse of the 24th chapter of Matthew. Now remember, this runs concurrently alongside Mark 13 and Luke 21. So if you would like to look at those as references, which we will actually probably look at Mark 13 a little bit tonight as well, uh, as we talk about this and we will be chatting through some uh, just kind of notes and see where we end up. So here we go. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn his back or turn his back and take his cloak. But alas, for the woman who is pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your, your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For when there will For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been seen from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if you say, if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, wherever the corpses the vultures will gather. All right, there's a lot going on here in these uh, 13 verses. But what we get to start with is this prophecy spoken all the way back by the prophet Daniel. Now, if we remember, this is coming out of Daniel 9, 27. I'm going to read that verse. It says, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half a week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come the one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out of the desolator. All right, so here's what we get. Now, as this prophecy was given to Daniel, there have been several times in the Jewish history that it was thought of that this prophecy was going to be fulfilled. Most notably is in the writing of the Maccabees. It was ordered by this king that the altar of the Greek god Zeus be constructed in the temple, and this is around 167 BC. He also decreed that swine and other unclean animals were to be sacrificed there, and that the Sabbath was to be profaned, and that circumcision was to be abolished. But Jesus clarifies that the completement of the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy would be found in another time. So here is what is happening, right? Throughout the time of history, from the Old Testament until the time of Christ, Jews feared this this prophecy that somebody would come into their temple and desecrate it. And they feared on a few levels here, right? Somebody that was not a Jew, was, was not a person that was a priest trained to enter into the Holy of Holies, would come in and sit on the throne of God. So to paint this picture, we have to, you know, I'm not gonna to dig too deep into it, but I'm gonna kinda of hopefully give you a high level view of it. But if you go back to uh Leviticus and start looking at how the order of the priesthood was built, you'll see, you know, all of this all of these rules and, and order that God gave to Moses and Aaron on temple uh worship and temple ordination and and how priests and everybody were to be trained, what garments they were to wear, and who they could be, and, and all of this such. And so from that point in history all the way through, the Jewish priests had strict rules on who was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. This was the temple where God's Spirit resigned. And the fear of the Jewish people after this prophecy was given by Daniel was that when they were under threat by you know another nation that this would be it this is the time that you know uh this antichrist or this anti god would come in because they didn't have Christ at this moment this anti god would come in and uh desecrate the temple and they you know they would say that this abomination uh would come in and sit on the throne of god and declare himself to be God of some fashion and by doing so would order you know as, as it's noted here order these unclean animals these pigs and all of this other sort to come in and be sacrificed they would uh, dismiss the the sabbath day worship they would stop circumcision for the jewish men because they knew that that was something that they clung to as a righteous manner uh, they would essentially try to flip the Jewish mindset upside down and do everything in in contradiction to that and so throughout history, the Jewish people were really looking at this deeply, they were really fearful of this moment, and you know, as I mentioned that there were several times that they thought this prophecy was be would be fulfilled, and especially here uh, as the Maccabees were written, um Antichus was this king. That had ordered this uh, temple to be constructed for for Zeus the Greek god and uh and actually not just the temple but an altar in the temple, the Jewish temple so they they would take the altar of God and get rid of it and put a Greek uh God altar in this temple so they can come and worship Zeus there. so the Jewish people had you know thought in this moment well here it is here's this prophecy being fulfilled and but then here comes along jesus and says no see that's not right what daniel was actually speaking of is something completely different daniel's actually talking about what's going to happen in a few short years after he leaves daniel's pointing to uh, the destruction of the temple in 70 a.d by the roman empire and then this picture of the antichrist is being set up in the last days here's another um little study note here from mark 13 looking at the 14th verse in that chapter uh, this repeats the prophecy recorded in daniel 9:27 about the desecration of the temple under antichus jesus announces a new desolation and destruction of the jewish temple which will be carried out by the romans in 70 a.d this event will end all worship, temple worship, and sacrifice. But these desolations are but a taste of what lies in the future. As this is also pointed to Second Thessalonians, verses uh, chapter two, verses three through four. And I'll read that: Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of the, of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. See, that was what the fear of the Jews were, that somebody would sit on this throne. But we know that the prophet Daniel was pointing to something down the way. And Jesus had actually was even saying, now the temple is going to be destroyed. and We're looking at something even greater to come. And... We're also pointed to Revelation thirteen as a tie, and this calls for wisdom. Let no one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number six hundred and sixty-six, and that is a point point reference there to uh, the Antichrist. But here's here's the thing: Jesus is pointing to the destruction of the temple again. He's clarifying Daniel's prophecy, but he's not but he kind of separates the abomination, right? He's separating the antichrist because Paul's referencing here in second Thessalonians and John's reference in revelation 13, both indicate a different type of scenario. One that will be seated seated on a new temple. And so here's, here's the thought process that runs through some dispensationalist mind and And I'm going to kind of, you know, we're going to walk through what they kind of believe. So Jesus's prophecy to destroy the temple in 70 AD is fulfilled. So in the dispensationalist mindset, they are looking at the reconstruction of a third Jewish temple. And when that happens, that is like their tipping point for the end of times to kind of start once the construction begins that's like okay here we go we're, we're the clock starts ticking um now from other interpretations you know an amillennialist or a postmillennialist we don't really care about a third temple we don't whether it gets built or not it doesn't have any effect in our eschatological eschatological uh, perspective we don't you know gets built great it does not signify anything for us um now you know, it it could have significance because it does start to play into what Scripture has prophesied for us. But in reality, it's just another piece of God's redemptive plan coming to, uh, coming to either you know a close or or a beginning, if you would. With this temple, Paul's writing and John's writing that this Antichrist will sit on the throne and declare himself to be God. And that's what Paul writes about here in Second Thessalonians, uh, and so he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And Revelation thirteen is the uh, the second tie-in, saying that uh, he will um, have this particular mark, and that will be you know six six six. So I kind of want to read here a little bit um, on the desolation that R.C. Sproul has in his book, and then we'll continue on in some of these verses and see where it takes us. R.C. writes, This segment of the discourse is widely understood today to refer to an event that has not yet transpired, an event popularly described as the Great Tribulation. It has also given rise to a multitude of interpretations, particularly within the dispensational theology regarding the time of the rapture. Whether it is before the tribulation, in the middle, or after it, we will examine the question of the rapture later. For the present, we merely note in passing with a host of controversy, controversial ex- eschatological theories come to play with respect to this text. The preterist view includes the tribulation and the abomination of desolation with the signs that take place prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. No argument is required to prove the strict and exclusive reference of this section to Jerusalem and Judea. Russell can contends here. We can detect no trace of a double meaning or primary or in uh, ulterior fulfillments or underlining and ty- uh, typical uh, senses. Everything is natural, local and near the land is the land of Judea. This people is the people of Israel. And this time is the lifetime of the disciples when ye therefore shall see. Russell goes on to argue for a first century fulfillment of this prophecy. Most expositors find an allusion to the standards of the Rome Roman legions in the expression, the abomination of desolation and the explanation is highly probable. The Eagles were the objects of religious worship for the soldiers in the parallel passage in St. Luke. Is all but conclusive evidence that this is the true meaning. We know that jo- from Josephus that the attempt of a Roman general uh, Vitulus in the reign of Tiberius to march troops through Judea was resisted by Jerus- uh, Jewish authorities on the ground that idolatrous images on their uh, ensigns would be a- would profane the law. So really what we're getting here right is just kind of a, a high view of what rc's writing uh, and he's got some excerpts here he he pulls from john calvin uh, as john writes on this text because the destruction of the temple and the city of jerusalem together with the overthrow of the whole jewish government was as we already have said a thing incredible and because it might be a, th- a thought strange that the disciples could not be saved without being torn from that nation to which have been committed the adoption of the covenant, Romans 9.4, of eternal salvation. Christ confirms both by the testimony of Daniel, as he has said, that you may not be too strongly attached to the temple and to the ceremonies of the law. God has limited them to a fixed time and has long ago declared that the Redeemer should come, sacrifices would cease and it may go, and that may not give you uneasiness to cut off from your own nation. God has forewarned His people that in due time it would be rejected. Uh, so Russell continues here; he maintains, or uh, uh, Russell then comments uh, on the following portion of Matthew's text. Then, if if anyone says to you, "Look, here's the Christ." or there do not believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Uh, So he goes on to write here over this particular text. Um, But let's let's kind of focus a little bit here on these few verses um, because I really want to hammer home uh, up until, I mean, let's look at 15 and 16 really quick here. Because we're going to get a couple trains of thoughts, and then we're going to kind of shift the mindset just a little bit. Because Jesus has given us a few things to really hammer on. First is this abomination, right? We've, we've already noted that this is a lawless man. He is the Antichrist or a Antichrist. Because depending on what hermeneutic and what eschatological position you hold, throughout history there are many... Antichrist that have arisen and have brought war against the Jewish and Christian nations. So, this is one who will physically go into the Jewish temple and sit on the throne and declare himself God. This was a fulfillment, or this will be a fulfillment, to the prophecy that Daniel gives. Now, the prophecy that Daniel gives is essentially twofold and one, that the temple is destroyed, that Jesus is declaring here, uh, going all the way back to beginning verses in 24 and now again here in 15 and he is standing here in this holy place right the holy of holies so this is that's the piece that jesus is warning us about let's rewind just a little bit more this is all coming into light with what we said last week on the show we will see false Christ come up. We will see wars and hear rumors of wars, and we will see all of these famines and earthquakes, and people will deceive one another and betray one another, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. I'm paraphrasing uh, these verses uh, throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We talked a lot about verse 14, so if you're want to, uh, curious about that, go listen to last week's episode. But... As we continue this thought, this isn't a separate piece of text. This isn't a different chapter, a different time frame. This is a continual thing. This is Jesus concludes one word, goes right into the next. Jesus is telling us here that this will take place at some point. But he he makes this little quote, let the reader understand. When this happens, he's telling you that... Those who are in Judea are to flee to the mountains. Again, this isn't a prophet. This is—it's kind of difficult to really pin this out because the interpretations from the different things that I've read pin this in a, in kind of a, in an abstract way. It's the destruction of the temple, and so Jesus is forewarning the the disciples and those in Judea to flee to the mountains when the Romans come. And when Romans come, the nation of Israel is essentially scattered into the world. And so we, they have, uh, they did meet, um, in these mountain cities and they did try to go into in uh, smaller communities that were Jewish communities and, and try to reconstruct the, um, you know, the Jewish, the fair the Pharise- Phariseutical order. So, there's a lot of history outside of these few verses here. Um, I would advise you, if you're really a history buff, grab 2,000 Years of Christ Power, just the first volume, the first 30 or 40 pages talk about this particular time period from a non-biased perspective. It doesn't talk anything about eschatological views. It's strictly giving you a historical, you know, this is what really happened here. And so we know that the the, the Romans came in, they, you know, took over Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. The Jewish people fled. Um, some of the Pharisee, Phariseeutical circles like the Sadducees uh, were destroyed, but they tried to, they reconstructed that when they, you know, fled the fled Jerusalem. Another topic. But Jesus is saying when these were when you see this, let them go to, to the mountains, flee, get out. Don't let uh, let the one who's on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house and get out of the area. Don't if you're in the field, don't go back for your cloak. Get out. Go to the mountains, flee because judgment is coming. And he talks a little bit about here in verse 19 um, that alas for a woman who is pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. So. Let's look at some study notes here, right? Fleet of the Mountains Ancient Church historian Eusebius reports that during the Jewish revolt in 8067, Jesus' warning was fulfilled when Christians fled to the mountains of uh, Pella. And this is found in the Eusebius Eschatological History, Volume 3. Um, and as you know, I mentioned that when this when this happened, there would have been no time because it would have been very swift. So there was no time to go and gather provisions. Um, And they should be praying for that the harshest conditions and the most revered tribulations not be a hindrance to fleeing. And so that's what he's referencing here in verses 19 and 20, not to encounter such heavy uh, and terrible seasons to keep them from um, fleeing and uh, allow them to get away cleanly, essentially, right? Uh, so let's do, I'm going to bring up a couple other th- notes because I really want to ensure that we are clear on this. Uh, in verses 17 through 19, Jesus warns that the inhabitants of Judea will be extremely rushed when they are forced to flee by the attacking Roman legions. This began, in, as I mentioned, in 8067. There will not be time for gathering the prized possessions or even grabbing a coat. Um, and violating the day of rest by fleeing would have been permissible. So that's, you know, a warning here that Jesus is giving here that, you know, pray that it's not during the middle of winter or on a Sabbath. But if you're, you know, according to the Jewish law there, if you were fleeing, you know, an incoming battle, fleeing on the Sabbath would have been permissible. Obviously, Jesus isn't saying that, you know, you can't flee on the Sabbath. That would be a misrepresentation of the text. But what he's saying is, is pray that you may not be caught in the middle of winter or be or on the Sabbath, because the people in this time frame had such a uh, strict view of the Sabbath that they probably would not. They would probably sit there and go, oh, "I can't do anything. I'd be in violation of God's law." And so he's like. Well, if that's the case, then hopefully it happens on a Monday for you, you know, because it's like breaking that mindset that these people held on to themselves for so very long. And he says, in this time period, there will be great tribulation. Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. Verse 21 is an interesting verse. These days leading up to Jerusalem's destruction would be unprecedented in the intensity of suffering and it would require extraordinary means of survival. So he's not saying anything about the end of times or anything of that such. He's simply pointing to the destruction of Jerusalem. Funny enough, these verses often are taken and placed into the end of times, the second coming of Jesus, because they sound just like that. You know, if you were to take and put this into a dispensationalist mindset you could really say well with the rising of the third temple after Daniel's 70th week the abomination is going to come in sit on the throne declare himself god and then all hell is going to break loose and uh, destruction is going to come may the christians flee to the mountains Uh, it'll come swift and hopefully you're not pregnant or nursing children because uh, you're going to get swept up in that in that persecution it's very easy right if you just kind of take that and just bend it just a little and, you know, kind of twist it a little and squeeze it down into that little gap of, of view. But what we're trying to do is understand the greater context here, and what we're trying to teach on this show is that not all eschatological events point us strictly to the end of the world. They point us to something that Jesus is ending, whether it be Jerusalem and the um, uh, views of the Jewish people, and, and I really like here, uh, and I read. I think RC wrote it. Um, back here that this this had to have happened in order for the Jewish people to have, or the not the Jewish people, but the apostles to break it their hold on, you know, the Jewish temple. Because they they literally, early in 24, they are in awe of the temple. They are marveling at the temple. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to gra- raise it to the ground. And I'm going to demolish all of this. Anything that you think is right, I'm ending it. In his whole perspective in this entire section thus far is on the destruction of the temple and destruction of Jerusalem. Because, see, they were so... Even you know even the apostles were still kind of caught up in that legalistic mindset they were still caught up in the pharmaceutical ways, and the Pharisees had such a grip on people that those people who would follow and listen to the teachings of Jesus were captivated still yet by the Jewish law, and Jesus is saying, "I'm going to shatter all of that so my gospel can go into the world and reach the people it needs to reach." And that is what we're getting so far. And so it is easy to take these texts and manipulate them and twist them. But at the end of the day, we have to understand what it is Christ is actually telling us. And if those days had not been cut short, no human would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. 22, again, it's an interesting verse. Some suggest that this means that God's wrath will continue unchecked against the wickedness of humanity and no one would survive the eventual destruction. Others see it as a reference to cutting short of either the seventh week or 70th week of Daniel from Daniel 9 or the 42 months of Revelation eleven two. It is evident that the reference is not to the destruction of Jerusalem. Since the unprecedented destruction described in Matthew 24, 21 did not take place in AD 70, the elect either uh, includes all those who follow Christ, the elect includes all those who follow Christ during this period. So, as we see, uh, some views, some interpretations are trying to kind of pan out uh, how this text is laid out. And and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, for reference notes, I'm using the uh, Last Days According to Jesus from R.C. Sproul. I've got a Reformation Bible, an ESV study Bible, a Lutheran study Bible, and then I have my other commentaries and notes up on my screen. And so I am looking and trying to walk us through all of these views collectively and answering these verses as such. So the Lutheran Bible uh, study Bible puts us at, 21, that these days are leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem, that in this time period in in AD 67, that there was tension and, you know, skirmishes and battles that were being had leading up to the destruction. But the ESV study Bible wants to point us that the verse 21 is actually indicating another futuristic event. Uh, I, the way Christ has written thus far or has spoken thus far and Matthew, our uh, scribe, has written, it feels that 21 and 22 are a continual thought based upon the fleeing from the destruction of the temple that this, even you know, we're going to experience this tribulation. These people would experience that tribulation and then they would have to flee and because of the intensity of it. They've never experienced anything like the Roman Empire destroying one of their towns. And so I I feel that 21 and 22 are a continual thought. And again, this is my hermeneutics. So if you disagree with me, that's perfectly okay. I, I accept that. You can. You're allowed to. But by just looking at this at a high level, the thought continues. He doesn't jump uh, you know, into a future perspective. He doesn't trans, you know, the verses don't translate into future tense. It doesn't change the thought or anything, but 23 does shift a little bit though. And I want to get to that here in a minute, but 21 and 22 field and look and sound as they are a continuation of these, um, you know, of the, of this, Time period, this tribulation that will, that these uh, Jewish people will in fact experience. So, as we get to 23, so we can continue on with this continual thought, but I also want to kind of use this as a, you know, this could be a possible forewarning for any sort of future event, but I still think that we are continuing the thought here, because see, these people will have thought, okay, the temple's destroyed, Jerusalem sacked, our nation's shattered. Is this really the end of the Jewish people? Is it, you know, is God going to come back and take his people home? And so Jesus gives these people a a warning. He says, "Then then if anyone says, do you look, here's the Christ or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So what he's telling you here is when things turn desperate, people instinctively recognize the uh, the need for a spiritual answer. Under such wretched conditions as found prior here with the destruction in Jerusalem, it is no wonder that false teachers would attract so many followers, even the elect. God's people, however, will not fall to charlatans. The power of God's spirit helps believers in Jesus to remain true. So he gives them this warning. And I, and I can see how this, as we've said earlier in, in prior episodes around the false Christ and false Jesus arising to be vigilant of that. But here in 23, we are given a continual thought again about the destruction in Jerusalem. He's saying that there's going to be this great tribulation, and in that time period, they, you people will be deceived. Many will come out of the world war claiming to be the Christ. False teachers, false prophets will arise, and they will do all of these signs and wonders, and they will lead many astray. And they will even try to lead the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so if you If they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go. If they say he's in the upper room, do not believe it. So let's stop there. So again, more warnings. Jesus is saying, I have told you beforehand. I'm going to tell you here in a minute what it's going to look like when I come back. But I am telling you this right now. People are going to come out of the woodwork. They are going to say, I am the Christ, or I can perform these signs and I have been sent by God. False teachers, false prophets. They will do all sorts of little gimmicks and magic tricks. Don't believe it. If he's in the wilderness, do not go. If he's in the upper room, do not believe it. Basically, in that sense and frame, he is saying if he's in the house or if he's in the bedroom or wherever, you know, oh, he's, you know, putting on a theater performance, whatever. He's a like, circus act. Do not go. Jesus starts now to transition here into what it is going to look like when the coming of man comes. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far in the west, so will the coming of man. See, it's not going to be somebody whispering in the woods or somebody shouting on a street corner. When Christ comes, the heavens will shatter. And you will see from as far in the east as you can from as far in the west and every single person alive will know it. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. False teachers will swoop down on the confused and suffering people as vultures unfailingly spot, carrying, and gather around it. Vultures, right, they're a predatorial bird. They swoop down and they pick up the dead animals that are on the road and or you know kill small animals in the fields and stuff and so wherever a corpse is they will gather and eat wherever the confused and suffering are wherever the 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 despaired wherever the lost those people are easy prey for false teachers why do you think false teachers and excuse my language here but why do you think false teachers prey upon the elderly because they're easily deceived. I mean, for crying out loud, there's people on TBN selling miracle rags, prayer rags. Buy my prayer rag for ten dollars or nineteen ninety nine, and and you will be blessed. And, and you're you know, or these idiot preachers telling you to sow a seed for hundred dollars and you're going to get a thousand. Those who are ignorant are easy prey. Wherever the corpse is, wherever the dead in Christ are or not even the dead in Christ, excuse me, wherever just the straight up dead, spiritually dead are, false teachers will lead them astray. Shocking. If you put this into light of the bigger world here, wherever the dead spiritually are, those who subscribe to a political agenda or a worldly agenda or those who think that, you know, the universe is going to save them or whatever they're, quote-unquote religion of the weak is they are spiritually dead and they are deceived by those who who take advantage of their ignorance jesus is setting himself up here for next week's episode here and but and as he sets himself up in verse 27 29 and 30 through 31 we will see the heavens shattering. But he says here for as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west so will the coming of man he's giving us this picture of what it'll look like ignore the, the, the whispers in the woods ignore the performances and the circus acts and, and the people who claim that they are this and that when you come or when I come you will know it do not be mistaken. You will know it. And that is the prophecy that we will start to get into next week as we dig into this, the coming of the Son of Man. And we will talk a little bit. I did preach a sermon on this. We'll talk a little bit about time framing next week because it seems like we will go as a continual thought. But again, time framing is important as we start to unpack these verses and we can learn that we don't have a clue when this will happen because as he's talking to the disciples he's given this analogy or he's given this picture being painted here of the destruction of jerusalem and you'd think that shortly after the destruction he will come but that's not the case the case is we don't know, so we will dig into um, we will dig into that. I do want to read this little note here um, on these verses fifteen through twenty eight. While prophesying concerning Jerusalem's destruction, Jesus again warns his disciples about being deceived by false messiahs. During the crisis, people instinctively seek spiritual aid, and such time, God's people are tempted to join those fleeing. Uh, to charlatans and false hopes they offer. Christ's return in glory, it will be unmistakable. In an instant, he will raise the dead, transform believers into his likeness, and so effect our final deliverance. You have revealed to us the manner of your return, O Lord. Therefore, keep us watchful for you that we do not follow those who deceive us. Amen. So that is this week's episode. Um, Sorry for the little 10 minute, 12 minute rant in the beginning, but I, you know, I do want to really urge discernment on fear mongering pages on social media. Don't subscribe to those who are warning you to live in fear and to hide, because I'll tell you what, you will be missing the glorious. Life that Christ has given you. You will be forsaking this gift of sharing the gospel with other believers and with other people in the world. So don't subscribe to what the fear mongers on social media do. If anything, you know, take time off your phone, put it aside, read some books, speak to your neighbor, check in on them, show them your love and just enjoy what the blessings that Christ has given you. Because I feel like in this day and age, that's all we can do. doesn't matter who's the president, who the world leaders are. doesn't matter what the government's doing. What matters is what are you doing in your community? And what are you doing to move the gospel forward into the world? So ladies and gentlemen, that is this week's episode. Next week, I said we will be touching base on, The signs of the coming of the son of man. Um, Pretty quick text. There's only a few verses. We will probably go on to the lesson of the fig tree and maybe end up wrapping up chapter 24 entirely, depending on how we work through. No one knows the day and the hour, Um, because this is all this is all kind of one big train of thought here as we wrap up. Uh, And then we've got a couple parables in uh, chapter 25. And then the final judgment, I love that. We will probably spend a couple of weeks on that maybe. And then we will conclude the Olivet Discourse because it's pretty close concurrently as we look at the other um, Gospels accounts. So uh, in a handful of weeks, we will jump into some Pauline eschatology and look at what Paul's writing about as we kind of referenced some of his verses tonight. And then we will start our... Um, plunge into the book of revelation so that's kind of what our is on our uh, schedule for the coming weeks and i hope you guys are enjoying it by the way i've not made this announcement yet on social media but we will be doing um something special saturday night um and uh it'll drop tuesday morning so keep your eyes open for undying light bonus episodes. And uh, I'm not going to really get too much into it now, but just keep your eyes open. We're going to try a new uh, a new something for the show. And we will continue to produce content. Um, blog articles are being written now. So probably once every other week or every week, depending on my time schedule, check those out. We'll be doing video content probably on the weekend. So check that out and make sure you subscribe Leave us your reviews, share these podcasts with other people, and that's how we grow this ministry. So again, if you want to help sponsor this, Simply Dollar a Month gets you uh, access to everything we do behind the scenes, and make sure you um, just share this out with other people. That's the greatest thing you can do to help us. And if you want Undying Light logos or Undying Light gear, check us out to... Um, In my bio on Reform Lifestyle or on Dying Light Ministries Instagram page, you can get the link to that uh, merch page and get some hoodies and coffee mugs and sweet gear. So, and as always, everything I did tonight was done by Logos Bible Software. You can get a copy of Logos at logos.com forward slash Undying Light and get yourself a sweet Bible software. Uh, package that has all of this amazing content in here all these study bibles and commentaries and books and uh, digital help i literally carry this with me everywhere i go in my pocket as i have it installed on my phone so don't miss out on that logos.com forward slash undying light ladies and gentlemen that takes care of it for me make sure you tune in next week and check out that as well as listen to a matter of truth as me and anthony uh continue going through all these different topics uh we will be dropping some other content as well with drive-by episodes and that coming in january and february we have a two-parter uh on sanctification that we're working through right now we had a special guest janelle on our episode um that aired this past week and we'll drop part two on january 31st that's a sunday so don't miss out on that Until next week, guys, thanks for tuning in. God bless. Love you all.